0: Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA.
1: I had to hitch up my britches before we got started.
0: Wow. Before we hit record, it was hitch up his drawers. They've, we've gone to britches. How well, that,
1: much more country can we get? Uh, well, that was that was for our British fans out there. Sure, absolutely. I think that's breeches over there. Yeah, that's right.
0: Breeches is for our Mississippi fans.
1: Uh, like pantaloons. <laughs> <Ooh>.
0: <laughs> also joining us, the director of Mississippi Productions, Jed Brewer. There's
2: nothing I can say to top that. So well done.
0: <laughs> you want to talk? You want to hitch anything up?
2: <laughs> this is a family show, Matthew.
3: Fair <laughs> point. <laughs>
0: Also, doing us all over Tennessee, one of the pastors Christ from your church, Lee Younger.
3: I was surprised that the uh, one of the you know biblical Jed characters didn't come in with the "gird up your loins" reference. Sure, there. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I'm, I'm off my game. That's 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 not a family friendly part of the Bible. No. You need to talk about loins and church. Certainly not a whole book about it. That would be scandalous. It's not safe for the ears in the back seat, so it's right out. <laughs> no doubt about it. Speaking of such things, there was a very strategic edit in uh, last week's episode. Was there? See Mm -hmm. if you can guess where it came. Go back and listen to that emergency. There's a thing that Jed says, and then it seamlessly transitions into what in real time was roughly two minutes later. Huh. It's like a a puzzle for the super fans. See if you can identify it for yourself. That does not seem like us.
3: Is Is there like a super fan decoder ring for folks at home keeping score?
0: Well, we did have a suggestion that we will not be following through on recently. When we mentioned to some of our, our local superfans who helped out the bridge that there was something that was said that was so horrific, in the moment I started writing down like the time code of when it happened, yeah
2: so that you could remember because it.
0: it wasn't even like, we got to go back and listen to this later. I was like, this is not making no nope. the final product. <laughs> well
1: it, here's the thing is, whenever you do an edit. You should just insert a thing that says time passes. <laughs> sure. yeah. so people people know a, that there's
0: the yeah. Wayne's <laughs> nice world sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that kind of yeah. SpongeBob style.
3: 3 here's, days later. Here's the bad thing about me though is that like we've been doing this show and things have gotten so steadily scandalous over the years that I it like it didn't even register to me. I can't even remember what happened on that yeah. yeah.
0: I yeah. knew. That's good. Yeah, I remember. What,
3: want me to want me to tell right nope. now? Okay. No, no,
0: I don't. Well, one of the other reasons you may not remember Lee is this is a a uh emergency you were not privy to. Obviously last week we'd had some traveling and some scheduling, so we did the the a return to the Bible Nerdatorium. oh. So we're, I we're hope all Somebody back.
3: was in protest.
0: Oh no yeah. No doubt. It definitely happened in protest. Well,
1: I was under protest, but I don't believe anyone else joined me. Wow. With oh, being under is, protest,
0: does uh, change anything in any way?
1: Well, you
0: uh, affecting real change at the grassroots level. With that's the exactly
1: right. Okay,
0: but we're all back. It's a, we're it's back. a proper episode. We've got we've got your questions. We got we got songs. We got all sorts of good stuff. It's a it's a big week. We might want to get right into yeah. it. You know, it's a fun week for everybody. We had a you know uh, the White Sox won their first home stand. I Several months into dogs. the season, yeah. yeah. Um, we had, you know, a lot of people. i excited about the the royal wedding.
1: Oh, wow.
0: it happened. It was on television. People got it very <clears throat> <early>. and um, And <laughs> a comment <laughs> on that base. Oh my!
2: I need to declare an unauthorized enjoyment emergency.
0: <laughs> is even it for, is it for
1: authorized enjoyment? Is that actually return of legalistic jet? Um, I have been traveling. And oh, his
0: pauses are longer than ever.
1: <laughs>
2: it has been some time, but I I feel burdened. Do you by feel the
0: lip smacks make what you say more holy? Yes. Oh.
2: I've been burdened by a grave <laughs> sin that oh. I see
0: among the brethren. Was it grave robbing? That's a grave sin. Indeed. And do you not mean gra- grave in that way? It's <laughs> it's difficult to talk
2: about the, the, the magnitude of this particular transgression. You mm. see, there is, of course, a royal wedding in which we should rejoice, that being the union of the lamb and his bride, as described— Is that, is that
1: what they call Prince Harry over there? You can't marry a lamb. That's—I think that is in the Bible. Even in England, they yeah. don't go for that. Not anymore. In the— <laughs> Wait, what? Not anymore? That's a, okay.
0: That's a lot, a lot, it's a long history, I assume, sure. at one point.
1: Yeah, okay, uh,
2: in the Revelation of St. John of Patmos, oh. he writes of the holy nuptials right. in the New Jerusalem. Yeah. And I do believe we should rejoice in that one true royal wedding.
1: Right, you're, you're saying where we're he is the, the groom and we're the, the bridegroom of Christ. Yes, Glennard, that is the wedding to which I'm referring Right, yeah.
2: But of course, that's not the subject of the celebration. We see amongst our brethren and right. particularly our, our sister, and they seem to find some degree of <laughs> joy and delight in this so-called... Shots fired. ...royal wow. wedding. Yeah. You got um, specific with it. And of course, um, our fealty is to the one true king, the one true royal. Well,
0: there's no king now. It's just the lady.
2: You're really interrupting my flow, and that's, yep. that's really killing the vibe. <laughs> Here's the key thing. <laughs> You all seem to be enjoying something that isn't churchy.
0: Well, it it literally happened in a church.
2: Yes, but it wasn't focused on making anyone feel bad about themselves. And in that sense, it wasn't churchy at all.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, It was in the church, but not of the church. (laughs) (laughs) The
2: key thing is feel bad. Actually, you know You can what? tell you
0: can tell when Jed started saying something he because the voice <laughs> like scaled back forty percent <laughs> I got better. I got Meanwhile,
2: better. normal Jed. Wait for it, wait for it. The key thing, the important uh, thing, the things you like are bad and you should feel bad.
3: <laughs> right. Okay. So so legalistic Jed, this means when you know when uh like typically in the church you know when when brothers and sisters in Christ get together and have fellowship, we consider that a good thing, so if somebody fellowships by you know they wake up early they tune in to the royal wedding they got tea and the and the uh you know the shortbread biscuits and that kind of stuff. you're saying that kind of innocent fellowship is a is an inherently sinful thing.
2: Well, you know, Lee, I'm glad that you asked, because I think it's the kind of thing we want to get into here on the Say That Podcast. It's, it's really very straightforward. There's kind of a checklist that we can use. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy yourself? <laughs> yes or no? If the answer is yes, then it's bad. Oh, terribly, right. terribly bad. Right, right. Mm. So...
1: Well, look, uh, as I was telling everybody during the staff meeting, I was, I was riveted to the screen. Were you? Is that what you said? Royal wedding. It's a big deal. It It is it. Yeah, I well I mostly got my facts from I was watching a baseball game. Okay. And uh the the one of the guys that was the sportscaster his wife watched it and told him about it yep. and then he was relaying that during the baseball broadcast. In case ah.
0: you're not a baseball fan, you've ever wondered how much time do they have to fill on a baseball broadcast? <laughs> a <lot>. That <laughs> answers that question. <laughs>
1: So that's that's mostly where I got my facts, but I was glued to the screen. I, I sure, I paid attention to every different development. Well, there was
2: a screen to which you were glued. It, yeah. It really wasn't showing anything related to the royal wedding in any way, right. but you right. were glued to it. Yes. Couldn't yeah. look away.
1: I was just, you know, uh, uh, hanging on every word of the description that was, you know, third hand by that point. Sure.
2: Here's what I'm wondering. Do you think people would appreciate it if I took something that, that you know, by all accounts, it's a good and, and lovely and, and wonderful thing, and it's two people who love each other and celebrating that love, and you know, occurred in a church. And there was there, a sermon. There was a sermon and whatnot. Would it be like? <laughs> was it really a sermon, though? It
0: well, dude got after it, man. It, it,
2: again, by all accounts, it was a heck of a sermon. So, like, would people appreciate it if I tried to like? kind of Jesus juke that and turn that around to yeah. don't like this, like this other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it feels like, like maybe like if I were preaching at a church, like on a Sunday morning, like I could have a whole thing about here's why all of you are wrong. Yeah. Well,
0: here's, here's what I'm going to say. And I think we need to start our own betting pool here, which is also sin. So I enjoy mm-hmm. that. We're sinning about sinning. Ah, I, I want everybody's best guess for what the sermon, ex- the guilt laden sermon example was. Uh. We record on Sunday night. This is the Sunday night after the Royal Wedding Saturday. And I'm going to go with a lot of people got up early to watch that Royal Wedding. Ooh! Yet here in the Sunday school hour, (laughs) so many people don't get up early. Uh, Yeah. 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 Mm, Little priorities there. Maybe you're not as excited about what happens in the Sunday school hour. Yeah. Where we fellowship, we get into the word. Maybe the word's not as important to you as watching people in dresses. Wow.
2: Wow, That's good. I
0: think that went on like... I'm going to conservatively say twenty percent of churches this morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I have one
2: for you. This Please. is an actual thing I saw circulating social media. Oh,
0: because a- apparently,
2: uh, um, the real the, things are sadder. Oh yeah, the the fellow who preached the the homily. Sure. Um, apparently, I mean, it was supposedly awesome. I you know, I didn't get to hear. Are it. You talking it was a
1: guy from like South Carolina?
0: Or yeah, I think it was, a, it was an African American pastor from North Carolina or South Carolina. Okay. And he talked about like social justice stuff oh, and oh. spoke about you know. Quoted Martin Luther King about you yeah. know the redemptive power of love And okay. really got at it
2: Everything I've heard said it was just straight killer Cool. So now here's the thing I see a post on social media that said If you like the sermon at the royal wedding Go to church there That you know. was literally the title of a post Floating around on social wow. media just,
1: now, Here's the you thing You liked something that was, was Spiritual and Holy and lovely and wonderful. Still feel bad. Still feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. That
0: sermon at your, I assume, suburban middle class white church, is it gonna talk about how the redemptive power of love can overcome the wounds of the slave trade? Yeah. Cause that dude talked about it. Yeah. If you if you got pastor, if you got the cojones to go after that, yeah. I'll show up and watch. Yes. Well, you know, if you've got if you've got the
2: same pastor preaching, then yes, this yeah. follows.
0: Which I have to point out, because the, the guy did a great job, and obviously, you know, it's a worldwide audience and whole thing. And you know how the thing, if someone's tweet goes viral, they'll put, like, their Instagram or their SoundCloud or something in it? Yeah. He posted, like, you know, it must have been the first thing he did when he got back, or somebody in staff did, another sermon like, you know, ch- check, come join us Sunday at the church. Okay. So okay. he did the equivalent of, like, if you liked that viral sermon. But wait, there's yeah. more. And that works. He's plugging his
4: own thing. Yes, absolutely. Up, right?
0: yeah. Not just the
2: idea of church. Yes. Right. Well, I would like to see a church try, like, U2 is going to tour again soon. And right. so when they play in your town, i love to see a church that sets up camp outside the arena and says, if you enjoyed U2, go to church. <laughs> with the With the idea of, we technically have music as well. Right. I like All that. Right. Yeah, that's right. that's
0: right. Just outside a giant stand-up comedy venue, if you enjoyed person talking in the microphone, come to church. <laughs> that's
3: right. The Edge has a guitar. We have also someone who is holding a thing that you could call a guitar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we
0: probably have the same effects pedal that the Edge has. Right. We don't do anything with it; we just have it.
3: Right.
1: Here, here, here's what I'm saying. Now, a lot of people they're trying to, you know, because somebody enjoys something, and got some, stop that. Somebody you know, has to crap all over that. Right. That's the Christian thing to do. Okay. But here's what you're leaving out of that equation: is Miss Lizzie. Okay. Because that's my favorite one, right? Sure. There. Yes. A lot of people say, "Are you talking about the Queen?" Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, that's my girl right there. We we
0: have listeners in England who are named Lizzie, so I wanted to make oh, sure. Oh, that's
1: true. Uh, this is uh, uh, you you're know. referring
0: to Her Majesty Elizabeth II.
1: That one, okay. What I call the, it, the one with the hats. I call, yeah, I call her Lizzie because we're you know she's my girl. Sure. Okay. And uh, was that band Thin Lizzie, Was she in that? Uh, briefly, okay. And then she had a yeah. Um, that's a
0: reference from the 70s i appreciated that that was well done
1: Uh, led by an irishman who Mm -hmm. is also a person of color which is uh not uh not the usual thing but here's what (laughs) i'm saying lizzie a lot of people say well what's she gonna do she's just some old lady Uh uh-huh well uh a lot of people don't know this i've mentioned on the podcast before (laughs) she is monkey strong yes
2: you've been quite clear on
1: that she has been tested Yes. To have chimp like strength. Yes. Okay. She could I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. She could come after you. Yes. And it's like she's on you before you even know what happened. Yes,
2: yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. So
1: you're you're saying you're talking to Smack and you think, What's she gonna do? Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. But she's just letting you get confident. Like sure. you know, I you know, I'm getting away with it. Yes. Then she's you know, crawling in your window at night, boom, she's on you. <laughs> done so. <laughs> okay, what are you going to do about that?
2: Well, to that point, can I share my one real uh, royal wedding letdown? Okay. Please let yeah. my disappointment. Because again, by all accounts, it was a beautiful affair. Two people who love each other and you know, you know committing right. to a lifetime together and it's just wonderful and just fantastic. But here's the thing, it's still people, right? right. And you know, when I got married, most weddings, there's somebody trying to act the fool. Right. There's, there's always, because you oh, always yes. got that one family member that's just kind of stuck on stupid. Oh yeah. Sure. I wanted to see Queen Elizabeth throw down yeah. I wanted to see her take somebody to the floor. You wanted
0: to see her drag cousin Elmer out by the ear. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, dude, think about now, it. We all thought it was gonna be Philip. Let's be right. honest. Well, <laughs> yes. But you've got you've got pageantry,
2: right. you've got beauty, you've got a wonderful sermon, you've got, you know, the handsome groom, the radiant bride, you've got the whole thing. The one thing we don't have is Queen Elizabeth taking a dude by the ear and hauling him out right. of that place. That would have brought the whole thing together. Incredible.
1: Yeah. 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 No, because cause this is a thing, I'm fully convinced she does that off to
3: the side. Yeah, oh, sure. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean? oh, yeah. Like, oh, she's been know, in like, charge for a while, man. That's
1: why I'm saying she'll she'll sidle up to a dude and say, Don't test me. Yeah. Like that. Real quiet. Yeah, Nobody yeah, can yeah. hear sure. it. Looks like she's just saying something queenly. Yeah. But she, don't play, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, or she does one of these. I wish she would do something. <laughs> I wish you would. Why don't you go ahead? Why don't you do it and see what happens?
2: Come down here. See what happens.
1: See what happens. Because <laughs> I'm crazy.
2: I, th- I think we're going to have to declare emergency off before this devolves further. Because yep.
1: uh, Giving them I- sort of the googly eyes. I'm sure. crazy. You don't even know. Sure. <laughs> I'm crazy. I-,
2: I have so many things I want to say on this, and I shouldn't say any of them. Right. On that basis, I declare emergency off.
0: Two things on that as we transition. One, if you've ever wondered, how does Glenn manage a room full of fairly rough people on of Tuesdays? You're getting a glimpse into it right there. Um, the bull goose loony theory. Yep. And second, I, I, this is just going to make me happy. Maybe everyone wants to laugh at it. Elizabeth II, this is the official title of the Queen of England currently. Elizabeth II, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom and Great Britain and Northern Ireland and of her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith, Monkey Strong.
1: That's it. It's in there. It's in the Latin. You so it's, look for on, it. It. It's, it's on the cru- the crest, you know. It's Absolutely. like it's like a picture of a monkey arm that's like flexing its biceps. It's very, so. it's,
0: it's in the back. There's the lions yeah, yeah. and the unicorn right. and then a little little arm.
1: There's a l- little hairy arm <laughs> with a bulging bicep. Yeah. On it. That's right.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: That, a, a side side story of that because it just delights me. Uh, a few years ago, Lee and I had occasion to be in the fine city of London. Yes. Trip of Lifetime. Right. Joy. We're we're walking around actually Buckingham Palace. Outside, and they got, you know, all the heraldry and stuff on the gates. And there's, uh, you know, on the one side, it's uh, kind of the the little little gate where kind of the crest is on either side. Mm -hmm. And on one side, there's the English side, which has a lion, which is very regal and, you know, authoritative and fierce and whatnot. Then the other side of that, which represents the union of England and Scotland, has a unicorn. Yeah. And at that point, I had to explain to a very confusedly younger Hmm. that the unicorn is actually the national animal of Scotland. (laughs) For real? Yeah.
3: Yeah, make believe animal. Uh,
0: speaking of, just try it.
3: <laughs> yeah, hey, exactly. oh, yeah, oh yeah, we got go lions and fun oh, oh, we got
0: dragon yeah. unicorn. Yeah. Say something. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's right. Go ahead,
1: come up here and come say down something. Here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I wish
0: you would. Wish we would. wish you would try Bridgebox. Oh,
3: nice, nice
0: transition. It'll make you spiritually monkey strong. Yes, we will. Go. Wow. <laughs> It's, it's a money back guarantee.
3: Do you bet? Can I get the, the new bio of the bridge box right there? Just the new I think that's on. gonna be
0: the next topic.
3: Yeah. How to yeah. become monkey strong? <laughs>
0: yeah. Missionusa.com slash bridge box. Only eight dollars a month. You get sermons, you get songs, you get Bible studies, lots of great stuff. We are still in the month of May where Jed, please remind me of our topic.
2: In the month of May. Not the month of June, but the no. month of May. Man, that's a really good you question. You do this. Buddy. You're in
0: charge of this. <laughs> I believe it's about earning the right to be heard. That sounds right. Sure. It's how do I get people to take my advice? go. I remembered it. Uh, it's it's how toward, We put them out at the beginning of the month towards the end of the month. You know, That's how it happens. Yeah. But missionyosa.com slash bridgebox, number one way that folks who like podcast support we do up here
1: Boo. in Chicago.
0: Are you booing the idea of people supporting our work?
1: No, I was booing that you couldn't remember when... Uh... The, what the topic was i was
0: oddly timed you waited um, until i mentioned supporting i I'm and not, financing our deacons division to start booing
1: not really paying that much attention
0: <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you got your monkey strong joke in you're pretty much checked well, out on this one you, so you, well
1: i'm sort of buffering so yeah, right. i get, I get it get a little bit after. you're pinwheeling <laughs> yeah that's right
0: dot com slash bridgebox all right we're gonna jump to our first question here if you have a question for us all the way then i'll give you ways to get in touch with us First question comes in anonymously, and it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, says Philippians 2.13. What does this verse mean? If I'm willing to do something and I'm able to do it, is that a sign of God's will for that in my life? The context of it doesn't really seem to say that. And Jed, why don't you start us off?
2: Sure. Well, we're glad that you wrote in. And You know what's interesting is the Bible actually talks a lot about joy. So here it's talking about God's pleasure. There's a passage right before us, if you look at the context, um, Paul is talking about how our attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. And he talks about what that attitude is and does, what it looks like. And there is a very, very similar passage in the book of Hebrews, actually, where it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, did all of these things. Um, That that God cares about God's pleasure and that, that Jesus pursued joy. And Here's the question that I have for you is, as you're trying to figure out what God might be calling you to do, what role does joy and pleasure play as you think about that? Because I have a feeling that for most people, not only does it play zero, they're almost afraid of it. Like that Mm. would be a sign they're going in the wrong direction. Here's the thing that I want to have you think about, I want to challenge you to consider is just as a thought experiment, I want you to try and imagine the thing you could do that would bring you the most joy. Just the maximum pleasure, and that would make you feel the most alive. You don't have to worry about getting it right. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to be connected with anything Christian. Just what's the thing I could do in my life that I think would bring me the most joy, make me feel the most alive, the most fulfilled? And then my question is Are you talking to God about that thing?
3: Mm.
2: Are we in any way just telling God about this idea and this concept that we have for our lives? And if you're not, Why not? What's standing in the way of that? I was with some family recently, and I've got a bunch of quite young nieces and nephews. And one of the things that's really charming and lovely about real young kids is they are in general not self-conscious, They will just, they'll just tell you the things they think and the things that they want, the things they don't want. Um, If you, you know, ask somebody, you know, what do you want to do someday when you grow up and when you're big and tall, they'll, they'll just tell you with no sense of if it's realistic, with no sense of if it's a good fit, with no sense if they should just, no, this is the thing I want. This is, this is what I want it to be. The Bible says that we are meant to be children of God. But as Glenn points out rightly, we often think of that as adult children and we're not. We're, we're little bitty, uh, can't care for themselves, tiny children of right. God. And I think we need to develop a relationship with God where we can tell him about things in an unselfconscious way. Um, I have one of my nieces. Uh, I have no idea why this is the thing that she wants to do. I think it's great. I totally celebrate it. But um, somebody asked her, what do you want to be when you grow up? And with no pause, biochemist. Uh-huh. That's the thing I want to be. Here's here's the thing. Hey, that's great. It's lovely. Right. It's wonderful. Will she actually be a biochemist in her life? I have no idea. I couldn't, couldn't begin to tell you. But it doesn't exactly matter. It's it's a place to begin a conversation. Right. Tell me why you want to be a biochemist. And, and what has you interested in that? And what do you imagine being a biochemist would be like? And what what's exciting about that to you? And what, what sparks your imagination? I think God wants to have that exact same conversation with you. In other words... I say, think, what's the thing that brings you the most joy and make you feel the most alive? You might come up with, with an idea that's really, really silly. You know, uh, uh, I, I want to be a race car driver on the moon. Well, there is no such thing. But it's a great starting point of, why that? Right. What about that to you feels like could be the most exciting thing you could do and make you feel the most alive? And well, it's you know it feels very uh, it feels very manly and it, and it feels like I'm breaking new ground and new territory and it feels like I'm I'm taking things to the limit. Well, all of a sudden we have a better sense of the things that you care about. And mm. at the end of the day, some of the things you care about you care about because God built you to be the kind of person who would care about those right. things. If 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 we want to investigate what God has for us. That process has to include investigating who we are as people. And, yeah. and that, that line of discovery is meant to be done in the context of your relationship with God. So again, I want to challenge you this week to take some time to do this. Don't try and have the right answer. Because that's what I see you doing in this question is trying to have the right answer. And, and that's, that's the wrong place to start. Think of what you want to do, what you're excited about doing, whether it's a good idea or not, whether it's realistic or not, and start telling the Lord about that in an unselfconscious way and ask him to show you what about that makes sense and what about that he agrees with and what he would have you pursue more with.
0: It's a great place to start it off. Love that idea of looking at that application. And Lee, um, Jed, rightly, I think, um, warns against the idea of looking for the right answer in the sense of the A-plus academic answer, this is what this verse means, Sure. so I can check that off. There is a different from that, distinct from that, is proper understanding of what this verse means and its its role within the greater yeah. context. Can you walk us through that a little bit?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that can happen is you look at a verse like this, and the calculation is, okay, so God is at work in me to to willing to act according to his good pleasure. So it seems like the, the mental math here is... If I'm good at something, then that's the thing that God's calling me to do. Um, So if I'm naturally good at something, if I'm working hard at something and and succeeding in it, then that's the thing that God is doing in my life. Well, He may be calling you in that direction. He, He may not. One thing that you'd find out if you sat down long enough with any of the four guys on this podcast is that the Lord calls us and pushes us into places where we are our weakest. Where we have um gigantic uh, gaps where we 've had you know uh, failures and stuff like that he 's calling us to to go into those things and to learn from those difficulties. The interesting thing to me about um just contextually here is that the book of Philippians is not specifically kind of this this is a letter that paul wrote to some some believers uh, in a specific city, and this was not a a thing to talk about the specifics of what you're doing or the necessarily the specifics of what God is calling you into. Really, this letter is about not about what you're doing, but about how you're living, about how you're thinking, how you how you are making it through the different things that you are living, not the specific things you're doing or should be doing, but how you do them. So, um, I, I love that Jed talked about joy in this because this is the letter. Of all of Paul's letters in the New Testament, this one talks about joy the most. This is a letter where this dude is saying, in, in all of his examples and all the shout outs, the people that he talks about, he always talks about people's attitude, just as Jeb was saying, that to have the attitude of Christ. This dude talks about being imprisoned and how uh, God is doing something awesome in the middle of it, and how um, you, you might not believe it, but some great stuff is happening in the midst of this. There's a verse at the uh, near the end of ch- of chapter one, where he says, um, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is kind of the tone or the heart of this whole letter is we're not going to focus on the what, we're going to focus on the how, how we do things, how we see the world, how, how we face what we have to go through. Uh, this is kind of a, uh, uh, like, Digging in deep into the kind of nerdy Greek stuff here, but when he says conduct yourselves in a manner, that word conduct yourselves, it's actually the Greek word where we get the word politics or city, like city state. This is, he's saying, like, you are a citizen of a different place. You're not. A worldly person just like the rest of the world. And so whatever happens to you, if it's something that you're really good at, if it's something that you really suck at or fail at or something like that, there's something that God wants to grow in you in the middle of that. He wants you to see things differently. He wants you to handle it differently. So as we kind of look through this letter and what he's saying here, um, I think it's really interesting to look at whatever we're doing. How do I see it? How am I facing it? And how can I work on growing my my attitude and my perspective in the middle of all these things that I'm doing, things I'm good at and things that I'm not so good at, things that I feel called to and things that I feel thrown into the middle of?
0: thats I think that's a really, really good background of what's in there, and it ties in exactly with what Jed was saying, that application part. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to kind of give us some connective tissue there, because um, that's actually what this verse is, and in it itself is connective tissue. So as, as Jed mentioned... The beginning of Philippians 2 is all about uh, humility. It's all about imitating Christ's humility. Mm-hmm. Then in verse 14, we go to something that you probably heard if you grew up in church at all, especially if you were young in church, because children's ministry people love this particular verse, which is do everything without grumbling or arguing. Ah. And that's in there for a reason. Yeah. So that some youth workers' sanity may be restored <laughs> right. at some point. But in between, we have this thing that our friend mentions, where, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. Yeah. And again, without that context, that's a very odd verse, but if you look at what tying with both you guys are saying, I think that idea of God to will and to act in you uh, becomes a little clearer, right?
1: Well, yes. Uh, I, I think the, the, the actual verbiage here is a little bit mangled. Yeah. There, there, this isn't um, a smooth translation in the NIV. I, I, a lot of times we'll preach out of the NIRV, which is the New International Readers versions, mm-hmm. made by the same people that do the New International Version. Um, and basically, it's the exact same translation. Uh, what they essentially do is simplify the vocabulary. So uh, it's used a lot in children's ministry. We use it in, in our ministry. We actually give out NIRV Bibles. I preach out of out of it a lot. I read it a lot, just if I'm reading a large uh, block of uh, scripture uh and i I definitely recommend it here's the n i r v translation of the same verse God is working in you. He wants your plans and your acts to fulfill his good purpose that's that's a lot more clear to me mm-hmm. uh he, here's the 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 thing that ties in with what Jed's talking about he's Jed's saying, we need to know what makes us happy I can't figure out how I'm going to do something that would make God happy and get outside of myself and be part of a larger thing until I know myself and I understand myself and what, what it is I'm interested in and what's going on. And As Jed is rightly pointing out, I'm going to find out that there is a certain type of overlap between what I imagine would give me joy and what what God is calling me to do and what he wants me to do. I don't know exactly where that overlap is, uh, or, or what that looks like, and it may be kind of vague, and it may be kind of abstract. Um, so th- that's why exploring your own interests is an important part of this, as he's pointing out. Uh, I think once we do discover that, first and foremost, it's about being uh, a good uh, tool in God's hand, be able mm-hmm. for God to be able to use us. Um, and I, I think there are a lot of people who would say, I don't really want God to use me. I just want to do whatever I want to do that I think of as good, that is comfortable for yes. me, and, and and very well defined, and rigidly, you know, the parameters are all laid out. Not messy. It's not in any way messy. Everything's decent and in order, and it's good, and so therefore God's happy with it. Well... uh you're just not going to find that joy, and that's part of what's going on yeah. here. Is is we're talking about working for for God's pleasure? That's the ultimate goal here. Uh, we start with with you know discovering what our own what would give us pleasure, and we end with what what will give God pleasure. Uh, I'm like uh, uh, Lee as well. I, diving into the Greek, there's a lot of things that are coming out of this. Where he's using he's using the word work Aragon uh, is the is the Greek word there, but he uses it twice in this verse or, or in two versions of the same word in the same verse where he's talking about God working in you and then that work uh doing something in the world that gives God pleasure mm. okay so it's this idea that uh first of all we're yielding to him like you're saying being a good tool in his hand allowing him uh to use us but it's this idea of that there's an there's an energy that's being expended there but it's for a specific purpose so that god transforms us in specific ways in order to accomplish what he has for us uh having said all of that all of that sounds like a lot of heavy stuff and a lot of you know how, you know w- what do i do with that uh, but I'm I'm circling back to where Jed started with was which is let's think general mm-hmm. and work our way towards specific uh, and be comfortable with that. Yeah, let's think about starting small. Uh, I was talking to a gal this past week. She was thinking about doing some youth ministry and it's very elaborate and there's a lot of things to it and it would be tough to accomplish and a lot of complicated stuff. I said, well, why don't you start by volunteering and working with uh, kids in that particular community, and get a feel for it. it, just just if it's a Sunday school class, if it's whatever it is, so that you begin to understand that mission field little by little. That that idea of starting in very general and very broad terms and allowing God to uh, give you a more and more specific ideas as he shapes you, as he works in you, so that you can do the work that gives him pleasure is what that verse is all about.
0: That's all really, really excellent stuff. We're going to move on to our next question here. It comes in anonymously to our email address. It says, I have a question about how we are called to love others. I recently made friends with a girl who pretty much expressed that if other people don't share the same belief system as her, then it's too bad we can't be friends. I don't really feel that way about it. I have a lot of friends with very different worldviews from me, and I don't feel like we as Christians can minister to others if we don't really love them or have relationships with them. But then again, I'm not friends with these people to bring them to Christ necessarily. Am I being lukewarm about that? And Lee, why don't you start us off here?
3: Absolutely. Love to. There's so many things that are so cool in this question where you really got started talking about your point of view, you know, of the way that we should love people, the way that we should see people, no matter how different they are from us. That was awesome. And then this thing happened at the end of the question where the church guilt that you've heard from somewhere came back and got you with the lukewarm thing. And I'm telling you, that lukewarm thing has been used to make people feel terrible almost as much as anything in the world. It has absolutely nothing to do with uh, you know, how you're loving people or whatever. But I know at the church that I was growing up in, uh, they would ask us the weekly question of, who all did you witness to? You know, and if you hadn't witnessed to anybody, then you were probably lukewarm. Jesus is going to vomit you out, that whole thing. And here's the deal, is that Jesus came, he said, to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to make an exclusive exclusive, uh, insider's private club kind of a thing. And if you don't see it our way, then you're out kind of deal. Um, there's, there's this really, really cool thing that happens, In the last week of Jesus's life, if you're reading through the Gospels, where there were some guys that wanted to see Jesus who were on the outside of the thing. They didn't believe the way that the rest of the folks did, the the folks who were Jesus's disciples. They were outside of the whole system of belief, and folks didn't want to bring him to Jesus, except one of the 12 disciples, a dude named Andrew, was like, I'll bring him. I'll bring him to meet Jesus. Every time you see Andrew in the, in the Gospels, he's bringing people to Jesus. And so Andrew brings them, and Jesus hangs out with them, And that's what Jesus does. He hangs out with anybody. He hangs out with the sinners. He hangs out with the outsiders. He hangs out with the outcasts. He hangs out with people who are outside of the faith. And Andrew had the right instinct. And the thing is, that's the heart that we're supposed to have, is a heart of outreach, um, you've got the exact right instinct here. If we can get rid of the church guilt that comes with the lukewarm thing, you're going to be fine. And here's the other deal is you don't have to be in a place of actively sharing Jesus with every single person you're talking to and every single conversation that you're talking to. We need to be people who love folks. And here's the truth. Love gets more ministry done by accident Hello. By accident than any kind of strict, uh, exclusive doctrine ever did Amen. on purpose. Yeah. And so you just keep on loving people, keep on reaching people. It's exactly what Jesus is calling you to do. It's exactly what he wants you to do. And guess what? When those people get to a place where they're ready, where they're spiritually open and ready to have a conversation about what it is you have, they're, you're the person that they're going to go to. And so you just keep on doing your thing. Don't worry about this lukewarm stuff. Don't worry about the pressure of witnessing. Don't worry about all of that church guilt and all of that other stuff. You just keep on doing you. Keep on loving people, people who are different, people who who need to be understood and listened to, who who need some fellowship and some friendship. Keep on doing that, and the Lord's going to open a door for you.
0: That's a really, really fantastic uh, take on the the outreach part of this, which is important and a big part of your question. And... Glenn, I'd love to get you to look at kind of the other part here where it's, you know, the idea of um someone saying you know I, I don't want to be friends with people who don't share the same belief system as I am and people feel a different way I think one of the things that's going on there is friend is a really super broad term yeah um and I think this may be one of the situations these these don't happen often Christians not all the time this may be a point where everybody kind of has a point here within right. the term friend so yeah. how do we look at that kind of some diversity and range in relationships and friendships.
1: Yeah, know? I well I think if you're saying uh, my very 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 most close inner circle friends, that I tell all my secrets to, that I lean to lean on uh for support and so forth, you know, if you said I I need for those people to be Christian because I I might need them to pray for me, I might need them to Encouraged me spiritually,
0: and that's that's central to my just the way I interact with the world. It would be yeah. hard for someone to really be that intimate with me if they didn't see that.
1: That's right. I, I, I think I, if you're saying that, I, I can I can see that. I, I don't see any problems with that. And I I suppose generally speaking, that would be true for me. But I have lots of of people that that may not be in that most intimate secret uh, inner circle. Uh, th- I have a lot of people I would consider close friends, certainly, uh, who are not Christian, who are more encouraging towards me than most Christians I know and more respectful of me than a whole lot more uh, of Christians that I know. Uh, and and in that sense, uh, is a better friend than most of my friends are. So I think uh, from my perspective... It, a, a, a friend is a friend. <laughs> a good friend can can a, a good friend can tell you, uh, you know, maybe you should pray about that. I can tell that when when you pray about things, it really does a lot for you. You know, even if that person doesn't believe in in Jesus, they can tell you that kind of stuff. But I think ultimately, it's about recognizing uh, for for your situation that the the main takeaway I would give you is that diversity in your relationships is an extremely good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's essential if you want to do any kind of a uh, ministry, uh, particularly if you're looking to do outreach, let's say, on, on a missionary-type uh, basis. Uh, that's all about forming relationships with people that don't know Christ and are in a different culture, they're in a different world. Uh, being able to uh, have relationships with people who are atheists, and understanding their viewpoints about things and listening to them and seeing them in human terms and not just a type of person, I think that's great. And Christians, you have a way of isolating yourself in a way that is horribly unhealthy. I understand that, again, the the innermost inner circle, that may be people where you really need to lean on on a spiritual tip, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have a a sizable number of friends, people that you hang out, that you're comfortable with, that are of a different sexual orientation than you are, that are of a different religious belief than you are, a different political belief than you are, whatever those things are, having that diversity in in your relationships is super important if you're going to minister to other people. No doubt. I think that's absolutely
0: true. And Jed, let's let's look at another aspect of this question here, which I think kind of combines these two things, which is this idea of, um, I may feel a little guilty that I, if I am friends with other people, and this may be a reason that some of these isolating Christians that Glenn talks about, don't reach out to this of um, I am friends with people in order to not necessarily minister to them, not necessarily connect with people who are different from me, but to get to conversion. Right. And that's kind of the only thing that counts Right, as far as reaching out, as far as loving on people. And without that, it's a failure. I think that that's a mindset that, as Lee pointed out, a lot of people have, yep. and one that's pretty damaging here.
2: It is, and it's also one that misunderstands how human relationships work. Um, the church
0: misunderstanding how human relationships work.
2: Yeah, I know it's. Spandalous. I know it's. Hard. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe. Um, we will turn to the wisdom of an actual real life missionary. This is a Scottish fellow named Eric Little, a subject of a couple of movies, uh, uh, Olympian. Um, and min- and a missionary to China, really amazing dude. and he said, this is a quote, We are all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people near to Christ or we repel them from Christ. I can tell you from personal experience,
1: Eric is right. <laughs> You're saying it's like, he who does not gather with me scatters.
2: It's very much like that. I just came up with that. That's very smart. We should put that in a book,
0: dude. (laughs) You and your farming analogies. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I think we get this idea that I can just kind of be incognito, and no one will really know what I'm on or what my deal is, but then if I need to, like, I can switch on my Christian stuff, and I get people to be on the Christian thing too, and it'll be like that. Here's the thing. People know what you're on. Right. everywhere you go, people know what you're on. Yeah. They, they they know what your deal is. Yep. Um, if you're living a Christian life, they're aware.
1: It's like a city on a hill. Yeah. It can't be hidden.
2: Those are hidden very easily. That, I think that's how that verse goes. <laughs> it's like a city on a hill. It could probably be camouflaged. <laughs> no problem. Everywhere you go, people know what you're on. They, yep. they, they know what your deal is. I think the thing, and not this, it'd be easy to take the following question as a guilt thing. I don't mean it that way, but it is an interesting inventory to take. Your life is preaching a sermon. It's worth asking, is this a sermon many people would want to hear? Right. Uh, your life is a sales pitch. Is this a sales pitch that's going to get many buyers? Right. I can I can tell you, I've lived a lot of years of my life where the answer to both those questions is, oh no. Oh, right. oh no, no. Right. No. <laughs> and that's okay. We we all have we all have times and periods there. But I think one of the the things that a lot of evangelicalism in the church has taught us that's just not true is i can give you an approach and i can give you a um a set of words to say and a system of apologetics where it doesn't matter if you're kind of a miserable person that no one wants to be around you can make people become christians by the ironclad wisdom of your logic yeah that's right and uh it it really doesn't work that way, man. No, doesn't. And, and just as as food for thought, let's let's take a look at at kind of reversing roles here for a second. There's an ancient religion. I think um, historians claim it's the oldest monotheistic religion called Zoroastrianism, and mm-hmm. um, they followed the teachings of of a guy they considered a prophet whose name was Zoroaster. Suppose you had a Zoroastrian friend. Right. All right. Now you might say, "Well, I I don't really have any interest in Zoroastrianism. I'm good. I'm I'm squared away." If your friend was like really cool about stuff and consistently really chill and really peaceful and really encouraging and just, you know, really a joyful person, he always celebrated your victories, he's always there for you when you're going through a rough time. There's some part of you be like, I wonder about that Zoroastrianism, right? Maybe that's a secret. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's Zoroastrianism. I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. There's part of you that would wonder about that. Now reverse the roles. Right, right. Your life is preaching a sermon. It it really, really is. If we want to be fundamentally, if we want to be more of a light and more of a witness in the world, that actually, I think, goes back to our first question, which is figuring out how do we have more joy in our lives? How do we have more contentment and more satisfaction? How do we have more peace? How do we have more connectedness with the Lord? Dude, if you are living a life where you really have a connectedness between you and the Lord, people will notice that. They and will be drawn to that. They yeah. will want to know what the, what the deal is with that. If, if that's still an area of, of growth for you, that's okay. But let's, let's focus on that a little bit and take some of that pressure off. We're feeling like we need to figure out how to, how to sell other people. As Lisa said, focus on that love piece and let the rest follow.
0: Absolutely. It's all fantastic stuff. We're going to move on to our final question here. This comes in anonymously, and it says... I just lost my job. I was not what they were looking for since I can't commit to the hours or long-term role. They wanted me to, I volunteer for a ministry organization and with my church. I want to be doing stuff like this all the time because I really feel alive and I love it. The prospect of raising money for this nonprofit freaks me out. I don't have many connections and I don't yet know what specifically I can go into. So very cool, uh, very cool question. And we, we, we try to keep, uh, you know, Personal details out of these things, we know a little right. bit of the backstory, and it's an awesome organization. We've checked that yeah. out. So, and Glenn, where do we start off with this particular problem?
1: Well, I think the main thing, if if we're going to talk about uh, uh, the the stress and and the the struggles of uh, raising a salary and, and being a part of a mission like this, we have to talk about the 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 heartbreak that goes with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. R- raising a full time salary for everyone I know that has done it uh and of course i have done it so i i can include myself in 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 the counting of that it's it changes you forever it just you don't see the world the same way uh there are people that uh you never in a million years thought would would come through for you you just didn't think you had that kind of relationship and they just blow you away And there are people you thought, well, you know, if I can count on anybody to back my play here, it's this person, and and they don't. And sometimes that's for a good reason that you don't know, and sometimes it's not for a good reason. (laughs) Um, And and it's a horrible way to get that uh, education about things. Uh, You, it also changes the way that you see the church because you recognize, uh, you know, that if you're going to a church and and they're only going to offer you a very small a percentage of that support then it's it, you start to say well you know uh, isn't this supposed to be the work of the church not just me as an individual uh so it begins to change how you look at that you know you you see churches in a different light uh and you uh you, you also uh don't have any pride left when you're done with that you get humbled by that that's good. That's a good thing. You, pr- pride's only hurting you anyway. But it's sometimes it's nice to have the option, I guess. Uh, so, so that's what that's about. Uh, also, you will worry about where your your next uh, rent check's coming from for a good long while, and that's a tough way to to live as well. Having said that, uh, I absolutely never have regretted it a single day in my life, and and I love my life. So I, you know that that was a, an obstacle I was thrilled to take on and overcome. And I think that's the main thing, in fact, I would tell you, is don't avoid obstacles. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do something for God, don't avoid obstacles. That's just, if you find yourself saying, let me work around this, this obstacle between me and what God wants me to do, you're almost universally going to be uh, sort of prolonging that problem, worsening that problem, all of that, take every obstacle head on. Just absolutely obliterate it. If it's a weakness that's holding you back, turn that weakness into a strength, for heaven's sake. Just give it everything you have. A lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people I see that say, okay, this is going to be my calling. This is what God's asking me to do. In many, many cases, it turns out to be just one big obstacle in their way. And they will, for the for the sake of that one obstacle, not pursue that calling. Yeah. And that's it's tough to watch from the sidelines. You want to say, "Hey, if there's only one thing keeping you from fulfilling this, you rejoice. You think God's that it's only one thing. It may be big and ugly and hairy and difficult to overcome, but you know, for 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 a lot of us, just accomplishing the stuff the Lord wants for us to do on a daily basis, it, you're, we're dealing with multiple obstacles all over the place." Uh, so I think that's that's a, a big part of it. Uh, I think the, the last thing I'd say there is it's about looking about looking at where where your regrets would be. We see lots of people, uh, you know, face the same kind of situation that you're in. I've got to raise money. Uh, you know, I know what I'm called to do, but the money isn't there. I've got to I've got to generate it myself. But what they find themselves saying is i don't want to overcome that obstacle so i'm going to sidestep it and do something sort of parallel Mm -hmm. to that and here's 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 the two things i see happen 100 percent of the time two things two different realities one is they end up with the exact same obstacle further down the line i I don't want to be a missionary because there's not a steady paycheck in that i'm going to be a pastor and then they find themselves pastoring a church the well, church is hurting for money. They got to ask people for money uh, all the time. They're worried about their paycheck week to week, and it's the same exact right. thing. O- only I'm not on my calling. I'm I'm on sort of this parallel course I've designed for myself. So that that obstacle, uh, y- you think you're working around it, uh, and you're not. The second thing that that we've seen is when you when you uh, say here's a big obstacle, I'm gonna I'm gonna sidestep it you end up in a situation where you, um, where the people around you are aware that that's what you're doing. And there's mm-hmm. a lack of respect that happens off of that. That's a tough thing to face. Uh, you, you, you you feel like, well, if I'm making a sensible choice here, but it's about recognizing you'll regret those decisions if you make them that way. Mm.
0: It's all really fantastic stuff. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here. Um... Obviously, you're you're not in missions in the way this person talked about, but you did make that transition from I volunteer, I help out with leading music and stuff. I'm now at a fork in the road where I can do this full time, and like uh, the the rest of us, there was a point in your life where you were kind of doing other stuff for money and thinking about that. So, can can you talk to us a little bit about that idea of looking at that transition? We're not making the transition yet, and Glenn gave us a lot of amazing stuff for when we if we're going to jump in and make that transition but being that in between place of looking to that transition what are some things we can do to make that process a little easier
3: well one of the things that i could say, that i would say i have been kind of thinking about this in terms of what would i say to myself if i could you know kind of time travel and have a conversation with myself at that 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 kind of uh that that crisis point of that i'm moving from one thing one thing into the other And one of the things that I think that I would tell myself is, specifically speaking to what Glenn was talking about with obstacles, is I would tell myself, you have no idea what this is going to be. No idea. What Whatever you think this is going to be, it bears no resemblance to what it's actually going to be in any way. Um, You... You have a sense that God is in this, and you have a sense that there's going to be some cool things, and you have a sense that there's going to be some difficult things. That's all the information you have that, that bears any relationship to reality. As Glenn's saying, there are going to be obstacles the whole time. One of the things that you need to get ready for is that you're going to have times where it feels like everything is clicking. Everything is clicking. Everything is moving. Stuff is falling into place. And then you'll have whole other times, like maybe weeks at a time where it feels like absolutely nothing works. Nothing is happening. Nothing is going forward at all. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that I could give to anybody making that transition is make sure that you do everything you can to have somebody in your life who gets that life, who knows yeah. what it is. Um, yes. Good. Because you nobody else in your church or no nobody else in your friends that aren't doing like a full-time ministry type of thing or or a, a you know a, a big ministry type of lifestyle they can't understand uh certain pressures certain um certain motivations, certain kind of the way that you see the world, as Glenn was talking about before, they can't understand those things. You've got to have some teammates and some, and some fellowship and some, some places where you can go to vent, some people that you can ask to pray for you who know what that thing is. There, there is a certain kind of encouragement that, uh, that the team of pastors that I work with that we can encourage each other in certain ways that we're the only people in the world that can encourage each other in this way, because we're the only people in it that know what it's like in the same way you know, that the, the folks at mission USA that you, folks you hear on the podcast, folks that you hear preach at the bridge that are also part of mission USA deacons and stuff like that, that staff, that team, they can encourage each other in ways that no one else on the planet could encourage each other because they are the only ones that are in that and know what that's like. Ask the Lord to give you somebody in your life who knows what it is that you're going through so that they can encourage you because you're going to have days, like I said, where everything's clicking and then you're going to have obstacles and things are going to change shape and stuff's going to shift and you're going to be doing different stuff a year and a half from now than you thought you were going to be doing. And then six years from now, it's not going to look anything like it, maybe. And so you've got to have people on your side and people in your corner who know how it feels, know how to pray for you, know how to encourage you, know how to ask you the questions, know that look on your face that means, let's go get a cheeseburger right now that kind of a stuff look for and pray for that person in your corner
0: that's all all very excellent stuff and jed let you just close out here just want, there's something that um when people are staring down the barrel of it, it could be a ministry decision it could be really any big uh life change decision but a lot of it for folks happen in our ministry which is this idea of looking at once i make this transition it's all gonna be amazing right and uh, as Glenn mentioned with the obstacles thing, it's it's worth having a, a certain amount of pragmatism here that everything is a trade off, right? If it, you know, opportunity costs. You make one decision, you're not going you to make another decision. Um, and to to go in with a clear eye about that, I think can help smooth some of the 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 mental bumps out.
2: That it's really true. It's really true. Well, here's the thing that I think we need to avoid as much as possible is a one size fits all mentality. Um, if you want to do ministry, then we need to have a clear idea of the thing we're trying to achieve, the objective, the mission, what are we trying to accomplish and recognize what's going to work for us will almost have to be at least in part, a custom solution. One of the things that, uh, is a part of our work is advising churches that are trying to plant in urban Chicago. Um, there are a lot of people trying to do that. And, um, we are pretty regularly, um, called on to advise people that are at various stages of that process and, and how do we do it? And one of the things that we see again and again and again are folks where well, we've planted a lot of churches in the suburbs and we have a recipe of how we do that. So we're planning to go to an inner city neighborhood and we'll just, we'll just do that recipe.
0: Is that recipe two part flyers and one part mayonnaise?
2: That's a big part of it. Mm. And it turns out that recipe doesn't work. Okay um and well that's that's what we do that's that's our that's our thing that's our deal the problem here is we're not we're not keeping in essence we're not keeping a results orientation we're not looking at from a ministry standpoint the thing that we want to achieve and then figuring out a methodology that will support that for again with churches as an example one of the assumptions that churches have consistently is as quickly as possible we got to get ourselves a building. That needs to be as, as early as we can get there. That's we gotta have that. For a lot of churches, That that is something that makes sense. Not for everybody. That mm-hmm. it would be a wrong assumption to assume that you gotta have a building, or what? Or you're not a real church, or you're you can't minister to people. Again, there's plenty mm-hmm. of churches that do need a building. Why do you need a building? What is it about the specific work God's called you to where you need a building for this, all right? In the same way, for, for your thing, one of the things that, that folks come up against when they're in a moment like you are is the question of, do I want to be in full-time vocational ministry or do I want to be a bivocational minister? And let's unpack those terms real quick because they get thrown around and, and rarely defined. When people say full-time vocational ministry, what they mean is, this is where I derive my income. I draw my paycheck from the ministry work that I do. Bi-vocational ministry means I have a day job. Um, I have a thing. I have secular work that I do that pays the bills. The ministry work provides either no income or a small amount of income, but it is not my primary source of income. So in essence, I am working two jobs in that case. Now here's the funny thing about this. One of those is actually not better than the other. One of them is not holier than the other. Right. right. One of them is not more sanctified than the other. There's different. Yeah, There's just real ministry happening on both. Absolutely. There's a ton of trade-offs. There are advantages and disadvantages to each of them, but right. this is the key thing. We can't really make a decision until we have a sense of what it is we're trying to achieve. Yeah. The mission that's been placed before us. If you—Paul was a tent maker. Paul was— not for all of his uh, ministry career, but for parts of it was bivocational. And he clearly writes that there were times where the mission kind of required him to be bivocational. Mm -hmm. This particular environment, that was the right move from a ministry standpoint. Mm -hmm. That was the right thing. At other times and other places, that was, it was a different situation. And so it is for you. We have to focus on the 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 goal and the sense of mission, the specific thing that that God is looking for us to achieve, and that's part of why, as Lee is saying, we need good fellowship. We need people who can support us. It's very challenging to have to think through those things purely by yourself. That's really really hard to do. Having people that you can that you can bounce things off of, where you can strategize together, is so important because you're going to need to come up with a solution that's at least partly custom and all custom solutions sound a little crazy.
3: Right. All yeah. of them. Yeah. 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 And
2: yeah. Um, having people where you can think together, you can strategize together and you can say, this sounds crazy, but I'm not crazy though. Right. That's actually really important and really, really comforting. And again, that's going to be true. Whether it's whether the math will say you need to be bivocational. The math will say you need to raise a full time salary. Either way, it's going to seem crazy. The, the right, thing you land right. on will, will seem only a crazy person would do this. Having friends that can support you in that moment is really, really important. Um, and to that end, if you don't have people like that in your life, we would love to help serve in that capacity. Mm. If there's stuff the Lord's calling you to do, you're not sure how to think about the specifics in your situation, you don't have people to cheer you on, drop us a line. We'd love to be a part of the network of people that are cheering you on and maybe offer some, some wise counsel along the way
0: absolutely right we definitely would Setpodcast@gmail.com. one final thing i would say on this and again i can say this from personal experience and it ties into what jed was saying there and actually both what glenn and lee said as well that idea of a custom solution always sounds kind of crazy um what you're looking for this may sound odd is not for this to not be a bad idea either by vocational ministry or raising a salary are both terrible ideas. <laughs> Just on the face of them, they right. are insane. Yeah. I will work 35, 40 hours a week at this job, and then I will do this different thing, which is totally different and is also a full-time job. That's not how time works. Right. Should be able to mush that in there. Yeah. But um, for, the, for those of them in Chicago, so most of the best pastors we work with are bivocational. That's right. Um, a lot of the people who run the most amazing kind of inner city ministry for homeless folks are bivocational Either in that they have a day job, or uh, another uh, that we did mention is they do basically an administrative job at this center for their income, and all the ministry they do is really not part of their job. They right. do ministry because they want to do ministry. It's 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 the bookkeeping of this you know s- shelter that actually pays their bills. In in a way, that's bivocational. Yeah, that's right. Um, but. That is never going to seem right. And as Glenn mentioned, I'm just going to start asking everyone I've ever met if they'll give me money to do this. And I may move away and I may, you know, run to serious. At no point in going, again, as, uh, the person on the show has most recently gone through that process. At no point is that not crazy. Yeah. It, it, this goes into something we talk about a lot on the show. What you're, what you're looking for is kind of what the next step is. Mm. So maybe that's, you say, you know, I, I don't know that I have a ton of contacts. I don't know if I do that. So maybe that looks like, sending out some letters, starting to take some meetings, looking at how much money you can raise. Maybe, as Glenn is saying, people really surprise you and that looks like something that can functionally be a full-time salary for a while. Maybe you figure out how much money that is and that means you would need to work four days a week instead of five. That's good. Now you know. Then you can look for a job that offers that. You can move, but we're not looking for a holistic view of everything that will happen on this from the jump. We're looking to get to the next phase to continue to to chase these things that and then, as you say, you know, they make me feel alive and I love it. That's great. Pursue that, but you don't have to have every detail marked out when you pursue that. You know, you mentioned you just if you just lost the job or you just have some more time open up, you can spend some more time doing this while you're filling out job applications. You know, that's that all works and we don't you don't need to have the entire solution before you can start moving down the path. And whether that's you're looking at full-time ministry, whether that's lo- you're looking at you know, um, starting a blog, whether that's you're looking at you know, just volunteering more at your church, you don't have to have the entire scope of what that means before you start moving towards it. As, as Glenn often uh, quotes, and it's, it's a very good point here, it's a lot easier to steer a moving ship, to uh, to get that in motion and that's get a little faith going, and you'll find that that momentum takes you a long way towards where you're going. All right, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.com. Tumblr.com. We're it with a song earlier in the episode, Jed quoted uh, the missionary Eric Little. And this is a song that our friends Glenn Kaiser and Lynn's Honeyman helped us out with called based on that quote he made called we're all missionaries. We're going to take it with that. And if you want to hear that song's premiere and a little mini biography of Eric Little, it really is a fascinating story of a guy who went to the Olympics and uh, was a missionary in China, ended up in a, a Japanese prison camp in China. And, but, Author it was really really an amazing story. You we did that on the Bridge Podcast, one of our great Christian thinkers episodes. You can search out the Bridge Podcast, episode 157 from August of 2016 for that whole thing. Rich Hey, we're all missionaries. Thanks for listening. Just remember we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: Say that podcast. Make no mistake. The wisdom is monkey strong. Oh <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> we're a missionary.